Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Zach, and this week we are not going to rank every story from A to Z. That would be wild. Uh, But instead, we are going to talk to a a creator on the X-Books who you've definitely seen his stuff, but you may not recognize the name unless you dig into the credits in a bunch of issues of books like uh, Fallen Angels, X-Force, Marauders, or the Weapon Plus series that's going on right now. It's Chris Robinson. Chris, how are you doing today? Hey, what's going on, Zach? Good to speak with you. It's it's good to finally uh, chat with you, too. It's been uh, it's been fun getting to see some of your stuff, especially uh, in the last couple of years when it's been really ramping up with the attention on the X-Line and some of the other stuff you've been uh, working working on. And, you know, it's fun yeah. to have you here. Hey, thank you. So let's start. For people who uh, don't know you, you're an assistant editor there at Marvel uh, in in the quote-unquote X office. I know you, the majority of your work is with Jordan and, and Elise mm-hmm. on those books, correct? Correct, yeah. So I guess for, for – yeah, I know what you do, but mm-hmm. for people who may not, what – What's an assistant editor's life like besides having one month in the 80s where you get to go wild on a book? <laughs> oh, man. I, w- I wish we would do those again. That'd be funny. Um, see, assistant editor is uh, the first person on the rung of editorial in terms of, uh, you know, getting the books out and getting uh, getting them to press. Uh, so that means you're you're dealing with all the talent and watching the deadlines. And keeping uh, Jordan or whoever you work out underneath uh, aware of, of deadlines, and uh, you know it's very collaborative, both internally and externally, and uh, it's it's very long hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we appreciate you taking some of those long hours to talk to us here. Uh, I I think it's it's fascinating. There's been a lot of people who have come up from that lines, and I've noticed at Marvel at least there's been people coming from all over. So. How did you get involved in comics? What's your, you know, kind of origin story there? And then how did you get involved in Marvel proper? Um, let's see. I was, uh, you know, a big, oh, well, I was like a fan when I was a kid, of course. And, um, you know, I was introduced by family. Uh, I didn't get serious, like serious, serious in the comics, like with a pull list and all until uh, high school. Um, and, uh, and that was awesome. And then I was like off to the races from there. Uh, and then Marvel, I got, uh, I got an internship in college, uh, and then I went away and did a bunch of indie work and then, uh, I got hired, uh, five years okay. ago. That was quick, right? That's, that's, that was a good one. I got, I got that, it down. That's that. a, that's a good transition right there. Uh, so, no. you know, as, as an assistant editor, what I, I think, I think a lot of people have this weird idea that. Editors are either yelling at all of the creators <laughs> to say, this is how you're going to write your books uh-huh. now, or they just check for typos. Mm-hmm. One of the two. There's only only that uh, dichotomy. Uh-huh. So I guess from your perspective, what do you think readers least understand about being an assistant editor? What's what's the part of your job that is such a big aspect that you think that, you know, the the common the common public may not really get? Oof. Um, 
what's the thing they don't get, huh? Mm. I mean, you name the biggest ones, right? Those, it's it's one or the other usually. Um, <laughs> I think maybe, yeah. I guess I guess our relationship with the talent. Maybe if I had to, if I had to edge one over the other, um, you know, mm-hmm. some people feel like. <laughs> Like uh, you know, we're we're the ones holding them back and stopping all the good ideas from happening. Um, right. And then uh, you know, uh, other you know, other 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 people think we're 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 not doing anything and we just let them let them run wild, right? Uh, it's right. It's somewhere in the middle and it's somewhere uh, dependent on projects. Like there there's any maybe that's the biggest preconceived notion or or or, or unknown thing, right? That the fact that every mm-hmm. title, every project is completely different from the next and has a totally different bar um, for a lot of different factors. That's interesting. I always come back to stuff when I when I think of editorial. I, I think of the classic, uh, I guess, 80s era of Marvel mm-hmm. because that's, that's the one that, in my eyes, I look back to the most because that's when Claremont was writing X-Men. That's the popular yeah. time with all mm-hmm. the stories that I like. Uh and I, I keep remembering times when his editors, uh, who at the time were either Louis Simonson or uh, Anna Senti, both now legends in their sure. own right as writers, but you know they played an incredibly vital role of you know helping Claremont and his collaborators go through and say, okay, how do we keep this fresh? You've been writing this for twelve years mm-hmm. now. Uh, I, I get it. You, you've been running through ideas. You think you're stuck. How do we keep this going in the right direction and ensure those mo- there is momentum? I think that was a huge part of how a lot of those classic stories came mm-hmm. together. And I know that's not just unique to those X books. Uh, yes, I mean, totally. I mean, helping helping the writers sort of bounce ideas, you know, push further, um, you know, some even look backwards like that's that's a big part of it. Um, that hasn't changed, um, you know, for, for especially like the, uh, the titles that stick around a long time, um, you know, helping, uh, helping things not get stale. Cause you know, for as much as, you know, all the, the writers are familiar with stuff, like, uh, sometimes we get ideas that like we've done, you know what I mean? And we've seen a lot of, and it's like, and it's mm-hmm. and it's novel to them. Not to put anyone on blast, obviously. This, this goes for everyone that I don't work with. Um, the the idea that like, you know, it's novel to you, but like, the reader has seen it a lot already. Do you know what I mean? Um, because they've right. been sticking with the title for however long. Um, and in resisting the urge to sort of like pay tribute to your favorite era, whatever it was. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's interesting. I was reading something uh, about it was actually about comedy uh, stand up specifically recently, where the job of a comic and yeah, you know, comic as in stand up comic, not comic as in nine panel grids and pretty sure. colors, uh, is to think of a situation, think of a joke, and then disregard that first joke okay. because that first joke is the one that anyone can come up yeah. with. And then you move to that second one. Like, what's what's the next thing? And then you even throw that back, and you get even deeper to say the smartest person in the room's not going to come up with this. It's your joke, and that's the new, unique, hot yeah. thing. And I think for a lot of times, like, not not that anything that I have done is close to being a actual comics editor, but editing, uh, you know, critics and writing and things like that, 
it's all in my mind it's all about digging down into finding that real gem of an idea that mm-hmm. someone has that's unique to sure. them and pushing that forward and i think that's a real satisfying process <laughs> yeah totally man i i'm very much uh you know a fan of editors and i guess i'd be biased in that sense but like you know i think uh <laughs> you know it the work is better steel steel makes steel or whatever uh the the uh that phrase is right um uh, you know, uh, I think, I think that it's, a, it's a plus for everybody, um, to, to dig and, and we can all sort of get the same, like, if you don't believe us or, you know, you and I, that I'm speaking to the, to the general populace listening was, uh, yes, yes, the royal yeah. us, <laughs> if you don't believe us, you can try, you can check this out yourself by like, like the next time you think of something funny and want to tweet it, like search and see how many other people have made the same joke. And then you can choose to make the joke or not if you want to, but just be, you know, just that's, that's your test, right? There you go. It's the proof. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's interesting to see. Cause I, I think right now, and I don't, I don't think this is telling tales out uh-huh. of school, uh, but the the X line has a lot of innovation that's going on right now, cool. spurred by you know the big changes with House of X, Powers mm-hmm. of Ten. It feels different than it did even a year ago. And you know, I was a, I was a fan of a lot of that stuff. I like to think of myself as the biggest cheerleader for stuff like Age of X Man and other stuff that I wanted to succeed. But this all feels just a little bit mm-hmm. different. And part of that I think is coming from just you know initially with the big pitch and everything looking at the status quo differently and then seeing what kind of new and innovative stories that the reader wouldn't necessarily, you know, have seen before and trying to tell those instead of the same thing over and over. Yeah, totally. You know, Jonathan Hickman, uh, you know, we should just put it out there. Like this guy, this guy's the best man. Like it's, it's corny to, (laughs) to repeat this over and over again, but you know, I'm not, this is not new information. He's awesome. Uh, And I think that, you know, especially myself, uh, being the longest person in the uh, current X office, um, mm-hmm. uh, I think that, you know, I've seen every type of death and destruction um, X-Men story, I feel like, that you could tell at the time. And, you know, I get it. I get it. <laughs> So, like, I'm very happy to have uh, Hickman's new uh, status quo, and and you know, the, the I think the I think the uh, the best thing to come from the status quo, right, is that he made it believable. He made so okay. Pe- when people pitch stuff or have ideas, you can pitch the crazy thing. Will I buy the crazy mm-hmm. thing? His new status quo makes you believe in uh xavier and apocalypse shaking hands you know what i'm saying and Mm -hmm. that's that is the magic of it really yeah i i totally believe it's been it's been fascinating to see not just what he's done because you know he's he's a writer i really Mm -hmm. like but seeing what other creators who have taken that idea and run with it you know something like and it's not a it's not a book you're on but like teeny howard's excalibur Mm -hmm. and teeny and marcus's excuse me uh they're they're taking an idea that couldn't be done a year ago and probably wouldn't have been, you know, just looking at that book, something that would have just come from like Hickman sitting around saying, what do I want to write? Uh, but turned into something really new and interesting in a book I'm really enjoying. 100%. I, I don't work on that book and I love it. It's fantastic. Teeny and, and Marcus are doing a fantastic job. 
Um, but but to your point, I I know for a fact a year ago that book not could not have happened because a year ago, uh, Jordan and I were talking about hey, how do we get Excalibur to happen? Hey, I guess it can't. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it, 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 it will have to be more more than a year ago because uh, we we started all mm-hmm. the the Hickman era planning stuff around that time and beyond. But you get the idea. You the the thing was we wanted to do Excalibur, but we did not think it was viable because it was just it just wouldn't we just didn't have the the thing you know what i mean i'll tell you it's been a running gag with every creative person i've talked to on this podcast uh-huh. you know like what kind of story would you like oh i'd love a chance to run an excalibur <laughs> i'd love to be able to do something sure. with it and this has been this has been going back for 2 3 years now everyone's everyone's wanted it and just couldn't find the right time to make it work totally <clears throat> 100% man it's excalibur is one of those titles that is like has its fans it's per, it comes back every once in a while, uh, for sure. But it's like, is it going to be your time or not? You know what I mean? And this was one of those times and it was great. Yeah. Now, you've been talking about a lot of the positives, a lot of the real root of what an assistant mm-hmm. editor does. What I'd like to know is, for your job, what's the most satisfying part? Like, what's the part that makes you come home from work and say, you know what? This was good. This was worth it. <laughs> um, great question. I would have to say... I guess I guess people enjoying the books like that's that is rewarding at the end of the day. I like when people like the books and I don't like when they don't like it. But I also don't let that like, you know, tell me what to do or anything like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I want people to as many people as possible to really like these books and want to like seek them out over, you know, other entertainment, other comics. Uh, and that is that is fulfilling to me. Um, but you know, on a certain, on a, on a smaller level, uh, you know, having a, a really well done book is also rewarding. So, uh, yeah, those, that's, <laughs> that's what I keep for, for the, for the books that no one else happens to like, I'm just like, yeah, no typos. All right. <laughs> <laughs> little yeah. victories, little victories. Uh, now we're going to, we're going to move into your specific projects in just a second, but we had one last question here and it's been something of great debate, which I think you can at least provide a perspective on. Okay. I'm ready. Let's do it. Who is the funniest person in the X-Men Slack? (laughs) Who is the funniest person in the X-Men Slack? Hmm. I've gotten answers from several people, and I'm curious to hear yours. How long? How long ago? Because I think it tells you a lot about a person. How long ago did you get these answers? Because we just added uh, Chip Zdarsky. This was explicitly pre Zdarsky. This was pre Zdarsky. Yeah, against our, our better uh, our, our better uh, urges, we added Zdarsky. So we'll see how that plays out. But pre Zdarsky, a uh, ad. Uh, let's see. Um, I would say. I don't know. J- Jerry's pretty funny. Uh, but also, like, Hickman is funny because he says things not meaning them to be funny, which to me is even funnier. That's so on brand. <laughs> I can't even believe yeah, it. Yeah, he, he says things that mean, means it, like, not as a joke, So, which to me is, like, the, like true comedy. Uh, but Jerry is just very funny on, and quick on the draw for, for, like, actually trying to make his enjoy ourselves so well that's good that is good to hear now these these dawn of x books they're they're all the rage right now they're hot they're what the kids Uh are craving uh but you're doing other stuff i do so much stuff zach it's crazy why why 
why am I doing <laughs> too much? Well, that's that's one of the questions I have for you because one <laughs> of the projects that you've really been spearheading uh-huh. is a. Uh, I'm I'm going to throw this out here, and I mean this with uh, all goodwill and sure. sincerity. It's a weird all right, one. Which one? Uh, Weapon Plus. Right. You decided mm-hmm. to take a a throwaway line from Morrison back in what 2004. Mm-hmm. And expand on that to previously unforeseen sites. For those of you who don't know, sitting at home, uh, there was a one-shot last year that was Wolverine and Captain America Weapon Mm -hmm. Plus, uh, where we learned that the Weapon Plus program involved so many more people from the Marvel Universe, including but not limited to Venoms, Man's Things, Brute's Forces... And uh, what else is in there? Luke I mean, Luke, Luke's yeah. cage. But we haven't I guess. really seen that committed. Well, yes, there's a typhoid Mary thing. Yeah, yep. ha- haven't gotten to that one yet, but it's it's out there in the ether. Um, man, so it was it was it was. I mean, you know, pre. It's not like I came up with this idea. If you look prior to the announcement of uh, uh, Wolverine and Cap, like. Mm-hmm. The idea was out there that it extended to it was it's 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 sort of like the fan it's like fandom already decided this you know what I mean they had I remember I remember specifically getting mad at the Wikipedia article for Weapon Plus mm-hmm. because it said Luke Cage was a member of Weapon Plus and I said <laughs> nope that is that is not what it says in the comics right now guys you are you are making fan theories and they have a lot of valid points but there ain't <laughs> nothing. There ain't nothing that actually says that. Cite your dang sources. Sure, it, and that was true at that time for sure. Uh, yeah, and now now you've ruined all of that righteous anger I've had. No, so. no, no, no. You keep that righteous <laughs> anger, sir. It was, it was, it was rightly placed at the time. You knew what you were talking about. I mean, we would it wouldn't have been interesting if if uh, you know if we had already if it had already existed, right? Um, right. But uh, what do you call it? Being able to you know, like, like, like I said, so like, this is like another thing sort of, I guess, that assistance or, or editorial does where, um, you know, you think you try to find places, <laughs> things that people will find interesting and then, you know, explore it. You know what I mean? Whether that means like, you know, we explore it as, edit- as, as editors or, or we get tell a writer, like, what do you think about this? And then let them do their thing. Uh, it's, uh, it's part of part of the gig is like, what would people find interesting? It's been interesting enough that I remember those rumors from like years and years ago, and they still persist. So like, on some level, it's already proven its its interestingness, right? Um, right. So so yeah. So find find you know taking the, taking those that germ and expanding it to a getting it expanded to a uh a, in a larger story, a more interest uh, you know. An inter- more <laughs> an actual story um, was was really awesome. So yeah, because so right now you've been telling this through a series of one shots. The first one was with Ethan Stacks and mm-hmm. uh, Diogenes Naves. Uh, the second, mm-hmm. uh, which was Absolute Carnage Weapon Plus, a book that forced me to figure out what was going on in uh, Absolute Carnage, was by Jed McKay and Stefano Rafali. And then now mm-hmm. upcoming, uh, I think. Maybe the week after this interview comes out uh, is Ben Percy and uh, uh, George's Jaunty. Yep. 
Georges Chantry, excuse me, World War Four. I'm sorry, World War IV. It's very difficult Correct. to uh, get rid of that pun, which is about manslaughter. <laughs> uh, it is, Chris. Yeah. Chris, he, he's he's a big man thing with a gun. <laughs> yeah, man, isn't that isn't that rad? Are we allowed to swear on this? Because I would definitely swear to talk about manslaughter. <laughs> I mean, we can we can put a bleep. We can put some bleeps on some cusses. <laughs> no, as long as people know that that I definitely would have added some swears to saying manslaughter's name. Like instead of the amazing, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, that's going to be his sir uh, superlative. You know what I mean? That's very good. Uh, I can <laughs> I can tell you when I I I was lucky enough to be the you know guy who got the press release to introduce manslaughter to the world. That's right. Uh, I was sitting in the back of a rental car because I was running to a customer in the middle of Texas on a big old business trip. I had very little sleep. I open up my phone and my Marvel PR guy, who I'm not going to put on blast here, but he knows who he is, <laughs> uh, did send me a picture of a man thing with a machine gun. And I had to explain to the 70-year-old uh, sales guy I was with and my boss why I was cracking up so much. <laughs> did they get it? Did they like it? What, what, what was their reaction? I'm going to tell you, uh, the one sales guy is a little old and a little racist and hasn't read a lot of comic books. So he probably uh, didn't get it. Okay. Uh, my boss just kind of rolled his eyes and said, okay, whatever. Zach, this is kind of weird. Can we focus on HVAC equipment now? <laughs> I, I, would, I was hoping he would, he would dig it. I mean, we got the giant American flag, the uh, crazy, like, repeating uh, machine gun. I don't know, man. Seems, seems very red state friendly. A, look, there's a lot to like. So, so manslaughter, what can, you, what can you tell us about how tying in, you know, the Man-Thing mythos to uh-huh. the Wolverine greater mythos happened? And was there a little bit of inner office politicking to get these characters that weren't, no. you know, necessarily quote-unquote X-Men characters yeah. and tie them into that larger story? Yeah, that's funny. Okay, so, all right, let's tackle the second part first. The, okay, how this came about was sometimes we have these, these editorial meetings where we just like, Hey, anybody have any weird ideas, right? And I love these meetings. So I go Those sound like good meetings. <laughs> it's, it, it is a great meeting, and uh, we're due for another uh, in a couple weeks. Um, uh, so uh, where was I? Uh, oh, yeah. So at this meeting, uh, I go in there, and I say, uh, you know, everybody already knows about Weapon Plus, uh, Wolverine 10, Cap is 1, then, then there's all these numbers in the middle and after that we don't ever really talk about. And then I talk about yes. how all the, we, you know, take all the other uh, numbers and you can assign them to characters, but the, the, the get or the, um, the, the way that it's easy to do. Cause you're right. There is like a little bit of horse trading when it comes to editorial offices and using and uh, using sure. other characters for team ups and et cetera like that. But in this case, we're not, I'm not using Luke Cage. I'm using the science around Luke Cage. So he's like, so it's like tied into their origin, but I, I'm, you know, I, it's, I probably shouldn't be, I shouldn't speak about a character we haven't uh, explored yet because I don't really know the answer, but it, like, like in the case of man, man, uh, manslaughter, this isn't Ted Right, this Salas. is not Ted Salas. Correct, yeah. This is not Ted Salas. So but it's, it's tied into his origin in, in certain ways, right? So, uh, so in that way, it's easy. Um, and then what was the first part of the question? 
What can you tell us about manslaughter? Oh, okay. Like specifically this this non Ted Salas man thing. This one that the Mountain Goats have not written written a song about yet but could in the future <laughs> that's hilarious i hope they do um you know there's a song for ted salas like that's a mountain goats track right uh, i was not aware uh but i will check it out because uh, the mountain goats guy on the internet seems like a cool dude yeah he's pretty dope <laughs> uh I'll, I'll hit up uh, spotify soon as soon as we're done um uh <laughs> manslaughter yeah so jackson strode he's a uh environmental reporter who gets mixed up into some stuff uh on a military base and he becomes uh you know infected with with the uh man uh, man thing serum and you know we that's where we sort of pick up ish, this issue he's it's sort of an origin story i trust me i did not spoil anything by telling you that little bit that's like a very small part of the issue um sure that's like that's like saying the dead speak uh at the start of a movie we can just kind of run with that and say yes you all know about that <laughs> yes it's exactly like that we take all of our storytelling cues from rise of skywalker um but uh but no seriously like this is it's it's super badass it's like uh i think ben called it what one time uh like if you mix predator and uh uh commando you know what i mean like if you try to do both um and it's sort of like that, and it's su- super badass. And Jaunty knocked it out of the park. The art is fantastic, uh, and people seem to be digging it. We we've gotten uh, a pretty good response from uh, you know retailers uh, basically that are that were into it. And so you know, hopefully, fan, you know, th- you're saying this comes out after after it drops. Hopefully by now, you know, people have. have uh, you know, gotten every copy and, and we're on to our, you know, second or third printing or whatever it is, but it it goes on sale on the 22nd, correct? Uh, 29th, 29th, actually, yeah. Okay, guys, next week, go pick up, go pick up uh, World War IV. Uh, guys, it's he's Weapon 4, which in Roman numerals is IV because apparently Marvel just runs on puns. Pretty much. That's the only thing keeping us going. No, it's been it's been a fun little project that uh, we've gotten to see. But that's not that's not your only project that you've got going on. You also have a uh, what I think is a really exciting one shot coming up. Uh, Marvel Voices, right? Yeah. Uh, which which is a podcast spinoff comic, <laughs> and I mean that I mean that as a guy who has a podcast. Uh, that sounds dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what what makes Marvel Voices kind of this special? Uh, special project for you something that you're i know you're excited about yeah i mean it is a uh celebration of uh different points of view and backgrounds and cultures and you know everything that uh they cover on voices and you know to make that a comic is uh an interesting uh prospect um it's it's going to be different. It's going to have, it's going to be more along the lines of like Marvel comics, a thousand where it's a celebration of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, characters and creators and, and everything uh, on that, that voices talks about, but uh, it's also uh, going to have some very, it's going to have some really good Marvel U stuff too. Like not every story is going to be like, important to continuity or, or, or uh, you know, slide into continuity into perfect places. 
Um, but there's one story in particular that absolutely will. And uh, hopefully by now, I'm, I'm speaking about something that hasn't been announced yet, uh, but you'll see. And uh, for that reason alone, even if you're not really too concerned with the, uh, you know, the, the, the voices part of it, um, there's just good comics in it too. You know what I mean? Well, because the creative team that you've lined up here is a pretty dang strong one. You've got a oh, friend sure. of the show, Vita Ayala, Roxanne Gay, Brian Selfries, Method Man mm-hmm. is in this one. Definitely. Uh, David F. Walker, Stanford mm-hmm. Green, Ray Anthony Hyde. It's a it's a really it's a really cool, exciting team. I know it's one that uh, they did they did push and try and say. You know, when I got the press release, I was looking through it like, okay, what's going on with this and it looks like an interesting, uh, interesting group of characters mm-hmm. and uh, ex- and creators. Some of those creators are characters in and of themselves, but that's a whole <laughs> they're, different they're thing. They're all ca- ca- very, they're all characters, and they're all wonderful. And I thank them so much for uh, taking time uh, to be part of this project because it's, uh, you know, it's important. It's, it's. Uh, I, I could not let this have been uh, sort of a thing that people, you know. Uh, we just knock out, you know what I mean? Like it had to be mm-hmm. special um, for a lot of different reasons. And uh, I knew that the folks that are, are being part and then, and also like, that's not even a full list. Like uh, I'm, I'm not at my desk. Otherwise I would have the full list in front of me, but it's a, uh, I got, Oh, you, you have it. I, I scrolled down on the press release that I wrote up and then saw the larger list later. Uh, <laughs> you got Jeff Thorne, uh-huh. uh, Anthony Piper, Kyle Baker. Yes, Kyle uh, Baker is doing this. Did a hilarious little story. Um, that's very funny. <laughs> that's that's very good. It's been a while. Uh, y'all may not recognize Kyle Baker. He did a lot of really, really. He's done. You know those. You guys know those funny uh, X Men one one uh, page like. Uh, or Sunday funny strips with like Jean Grey saying, "Oh, she's dead right now. Try back next week." That's Kyle <laughs> Baker. He's a legend in and of his own right. Absolutely, and doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Evan Narcy's in there. Chuck Brown, mm-hmm. uh, Rob Markman. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? Stanford Green. We already dropped uh, Lucano Vici, who just got uh, a book announced today at New Warriors, which That's looks right. super dope. Man, he, he's amazing. Uh, big big talent, I guess. And and someone you've worked with in the past a lot, uh, Natasha Bustos, mm-hmm. uh, is doing stuff on here. Uh, who you worked with on Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, yep. and who has for fans of this podcast art on the uh, Patriot or the Kickstarter reward for uh, Close Your Ears. You're not allowed to hear about unauthorized product uh, of the Bishon Jubes uh, Kickstarter uh, trading cards. So go check those out. This is a this is a dope team. Now, one one question I did have for you, uh, Chris, is, you know, Marvel puts out a lot of these kind of one-shots for different reasons throughout the year. As an editor, what makes working on one of these special, and how do you you make one of of these stand out above the noise? Since there's, there's no joke, a lot of Marvel comics coming out every week. So how do you approach something to make it something special? You're you're talking about the voices specifically or anthologies? Yeah, I guess in this case, voices specifically. Okay. Uh, in this case voices specifically man it's tough because i don't know that the we should be too concerned or or, you know i think there's a difference between uh you know being being more uh having more press than certain other titles right and 
right. reaching the people that I know want this stuff. You know what I mean? And that I know mm-hmm. are interested. And um, because, man, it's t- it's tough to it's tough to uh, explain. Well, maybe I can just. I mean, it's more than just a bunch of issues or a bunch of stories, right? It's more. It's bigger mm-hmm. than that. It's uh, it has you know, all this extra meaning. And so for, from that perspective, we approached it a little bit differently. Like um, there's like a lot of extra content in this that, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, we're not competing with whatever issue of Amazing Spider-Man is on the shelves that week. This is, hmm. this is sort of like a um, specialty project that is more along the lines of like, I don't know, like, like a zine almost like it's, it's, it's not the type of thing like, like there will be no other Marvel comic that is similar to this, um, uh, this year. I would probably say that. How about that? Yeah. That, that's interesting. That sounds, that sounds like something worth checking out. That's coming out this, uh, February, uh, February. Yeah. February. And then there's going to be, uh, I think this is, this is brand new information that no one else knows about, but there's going to be web content tied into it. So uh, the website is marvel.com slash voices. And there's going to be like, it's a two screen experience, but one of the screens is a comic book. Does that make sense? That's interesting. Yeah. Yes. Like that's, that's, that's what that's I'm, something there. that's what I'm trying to say where I'm saying like, I'm not competing with amazing Spider-Man that month. Like it's, it's a special project that I hope the people who are always like the people who are like bored by Marvel comics, whoever you crazy people are. Like, I hope you like, I hope they find this or they, they, they're, they're, they're made aware of this. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, that's good. Yeah. Now the, the other big uh, project that you've got uh, is the end books. Yes. Uh, which were, which were a line in the early two thousands about the last story for a handful of characters. Yeah. And you're bringing that back, uh, for 2020, mm-hmm. uh, what inspired looking at that and saying, this is this is what I want to bring back. This is what I want to do with this line that has a lot of interesting creators on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's see. Where did the idea come from? Uh, the idea came from, uh, you know, the, the brass at Marvel Comics saying, hey, you're not busy enough, right? Uh, <laughs> and so then, you know, it's up to Jordan and I and Annalise too, right? She's there. Uh, like, mm-hmm. what do we, what do we want to do? You know what I mean? Um, uh, and part of being an editor, right, is what will people like? <laughs> and I, and the way I go about it, uh, for better or worse, is to think, you know, what did I like? And how do I, like, what is, what can we do in that vein, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So... I fondly remember those those early end books. Uh, you know, some of them are really, really, really good. Uh, I think the Punisher Max one is probably the best one ever. Um, mm-hmm. But is that is that is that a is that a Garth Ennis uh, Steve Dillon book? Uh, no, Garth Ennis and Richard Corbin. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and it's incredible. And if you haven't read it, uh, change that. I've not. I've I've not been a. I've the the Ennis Punisher is a big old blank spot in my uh, reading history. Everyone says it's great, and I believe them. Mm-hmm. Just not gotten around to it yet. Uh, well, they're right, but 
this is this is I think like 50 pages or 60 pages like it's a little tiny OGN that you could finish and you don't have mm-hmm. you just have to know what the Punisher is and you already know that so uh go yeah I'm, I'm, on, I'm on top of him he's in a video game and my son has a very small toy of him because he's a children's character now also <laughs> man honestly I, I tell you what my my son got an advent calendar that the Funko people put out that had a lot of uh, Marvel characters. There were some weird ones in it. It was weird seeing Spider-Gwen in it. Uh-huh. Just not that she's not popular. She's in a very popular movie. It was just weird seeing a character whose first issue I bought. And like, oh, you're you're a toy now. People know you. Wait, are you talking about Spider-Gwen or, or the Punisher? Spider-Gwen, but then there was also a Punisher oh, toy, and I said, Punisher. well... Got you, okay. There were there were 24 whole toys <laughs> First of all, in there. that sounds amazing. Uh, 24 toys, that's crazy. Uh, but, um, what do you call it? Do it that's, very, that's interesting. Like, doing the Punisher as, like, a like rein, reinventing the, the Punisher for children, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of interesting to me. Uh, look, look, you got, you got that wild idea me- meeting going on <laughs> uh, coming up soon. That's true. This is, uh, but, this is the kind of thing that goes in the wild idea meeting. So for these, the end books, you actually have uh, some creators who've not done some work at Marvel in a while. I'm thinking especially about Adam Warren and uh, actually Eric Larson, mm-hmm. who's doing or writing and the art on Captain America. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what kind of got you to want to reach out to these guys who hadn't really been involved in in Larson's case, you know, a very long time? Sure. Well. Let's let's clarify. Let's take let's take a step back. The end books. There's six of them, uh, and I do half of them, and Jordan does half of them. Uh, okay. Yeah. So those guys specifically. So which, which ones are yours? Uh, mine are Captain America, Captain Marvel, um, Captain Marvel. Oh boy, you put me on the spot. This is this is the hardest question of the night. Captain Marvel. It's Doctor Strange. It's Doctor Strange right. is one of them. Doctor I... Strange. Uh, we just talked about and it. then Miles off yeah. air. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yep, those are my three. Although Jordan's are very good too, and and he he you know is a huge fan of Eric Larson. Uh, and although like, let's be fair, I think Larson did a, a Spider Man, or he's doing a Spider Man thing. I don't read Spider Man that much. There's you guys are putting out too many X Men books. I only have so much money, dude. <laughs> I I am a big fan of Spider-Man too, but I've like also uh fallen behind in my reading uh because we just do too much stuff man. It's it's you know, we do we do enough <laughs> we we do enough <laughs> enough to fill your entire day probably. Um well that's that's good. Yeah. Now, we've we've got one more question uh that I want to ask before we get over to listener questions. Sure. And this is this is about an assistant editor's I just want to hear your gut feel. Okay. I'm going to give you a line that was in one of the most recent Marvel comics I read from 1996. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, gut feel or not, would you allow this line in a comic book in 2020? <laughs> okay. So, here's the scene. It's a man uh, and a telepath overhearing his thoughts. Quote, I would let her step on my chest with stilettos. <laughs> would you let that be the opening line of your big comic event in 2020? My big comic event? Um, <laughs> I don't know. The biggest event. It's the opening line of Onslaught. That's how Onslaught opens. No one remembers that. Oh my god, that's wild. Um 
What I, I mean, does something bad happen to this guy, like in the next page or something? Or <laughs> no, it literally just switches to someone else's conversation. <laughs> That's hilarious. I would, I would, uh, I would encourage the writer to rethink that one. Well, well, then you know, go back to 1996 and talk to Mark Wade. But uh... <laughs> time displaced Mark Wade from 1996. Now writing what he thinks is onslaught for the first time, I guess, but. Not right. I look, brother. I just I just read all of Onslaught like last week. I still don't understand it, and I've read it more than once. <laughs> now, uh, before we wrap up, we have a few questions from uh, Twitter. Uh, the lovely folks over there had a couple of things they wanted to ask you. Sure. Uh, f- friend of the show, Vishal Gulapali asked, "What's the biggest difference between editing a book like Moon Girl, which is you know more of an all ages tone, kind of standalone from the rest of the universe, versus something like say X Force, where you had a torso guy uh, get riddled with bullets and murder people, and is very tied into the larger ongoings of uh, Marvel?" Um, that's pretty funny. Uh, I would say it's like resources. Um, you know, a book like X-Force is expected um, to, you know, make a certain amount or, or to get to into a number of fa- a certain number of fans' hands. Uh, so we do a mm-hmm. lot of like, you know, uh, press and interviews and, and really pushing it. And uh, part of that is like reverb from fans, you know what I mean? Like it helps that people are talking about it. So it's it seems like uh you know or or we you know we sort of react to that um but uh but a book like moon girl is very different because while i would this is going to sound crazy but i would say that they ha- probably have the equal number of fans right but moon girl's fans mm-hmm. are eight or ten or whatever and they don't have twitter accounts right hopefully they don't right. uh and you know they they don't they're they're just enjoying it in a classroom at their school you know what i mean in between periods or, or whatever it is um it's it's it gets different it gets a different set of resources basically that make it um make those two books you know operate differently because that's that's what they need like like i said you know from the beginning like every project is so different uh, from what's expected of it and what it can do. And, you know, they're, they're not treated the same and nor should they be, you know? Our next question comes for, uh, to us from Robert Secundus, and he wants to know, uh, you know, you previously edited the Domino Ongoing and her mini Hot Shots yeah. uh, that came out of that. And you are also editing the character on X-Force. Uh-huh. Uh, do you see any real, you know, how do you connect those two things where you've had a establishing, you know, work with the character and then moving it into a different environment, a big team book that has a much different tone? Well, she's got the same costume, so we're off to a good start. Um, she's got that beautiful David Baudillon costume. Yeah, that costume is a winner, buddy. Um, but, uh, but are we going to get into, like, uh, you know, connecting the dots from that? series to this one no but we're also not gonna dispel or break that stuff you know what i mean um mm-hmm. we're not we're not gonna see uh the casino boat uh, you know but we also don't say that the casino boat doesn't exist right um look all i'm saying is you've got an island you've got pirates a casino boat could make sense 
Absolutely. And who's to say that you won't see that when we, uh, you know, get annuals or, or, uh, arcs that are specific to the domino. Like the, the fact that this is a team book also plays a big part of that, right? It's, uh, you know, mm -hmm. you're trying to serve, you're trying to service a lot of different characters and storylines. So, um, uh, wait and see is the most, is the optimistic answer, I think. No, that's, that's good. Uh, and then this will be our last question. Uh, cause I know we're running a little bit. This is sure. Asimov fangirl. Uh, and they want to ask, you know, just a, just a nice light question. Okay. Uh, is there any book, comic, movie, or anything that you've read, watched recently that you're excited about and you want people to know about? Um, uh, that I'm excited about. Hmm. That you personally, you, Chris Robinson. Let's see. I'm I'm super excited about Uncut Gems, though. Um, I have not seen it. Everyone describes it as an anxiety attack, and I'm like, I don't want to do that in my day. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely like that. It's, but it's, it's fun, I guess, uh, to me at least. Um, let's see. Mm. I'm halfway through no longer human, uh, human by, uh, Junji Ito. And I'm liking that. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, uh, I mean, this is like cheating, right? Like this is like very self-congratulatory, but whatever. We're working on a new X book that is really, really, really good. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's special you know um and uh hopefully in the next couple of weeks you guys will know about it very exciting to hear i know there's a lot of good stuff going on right now mm -hmm. uh and looking forward to more in the future so mm -hmm. chris that's a that's what i've got for you today awesome. uh if uh, people want to you know get in touch with your brand or anything or what you've got going on where can people find you uh i am at chris robinson on twitter uh, you know, just like my name is spelled in the books with an at. Um, and, uh, I hope, hopefully I could figure out how to get my, my Pokemon sword information out there because I want people to like send me stuff. Uh, I just got to the post game and I'm very excited to, uh, to keep uh, filling out my Pokedex. So trade with me who was, somehow. Who was the Chris Robinson starter? Who was your starter? Oh, uh, my starter uh, was uh, the monkey. What, what was the, what was the monkey's name? Uh, I don't remember. I don't know. I, I don't play the. I don't play Pokies, man. The the, the I, it, yeah. Go ahead. I was just saying, it seems like a really fun game. I just cannot commit to playing Pokemon at this point in my life. I have children. <laughs> they would they would take up all that time. That's yeah. That's true. Um, I don't have any children, but it's sort of like it's like doing a thing that you. Like it's like sort of like mindless and and therefore comforting. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's oh no, I I've been there. Yeah. There was I bought multiple Pokemon on a Nintendo DS that was very old, <laughs> uh, and spent a lot of time in college knocking that out. It's just been a few years since I have tried to catch them all. Sure. Some some of us got now, the as, school, as, you know. I guess. I guess. <laughs> Now, for everyone else, uh, you can uh, hear this and all the other cool stuff. Keep up with the news of what Chris is doing and what Marvel's doing with the X-Books over on ExhibitFiles.com. It's where you get all the latest and greatest of news. Uh, we've got uh, some discussions about all the new X-Books and some of the other books uh, that are coming out. So we've I know we've got stuff about the Weapon Plus stuff that's coming through. Uh, one of I think two of the, the end books 
Actually, two of them that you're editing, I guess, will be on there. Do not read them. You don't need to see our press. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you can also see the episodes here. But you guys have already figured out how to listen to an episode of Battle of the Atom. Uh, so that's great. Uh, on, on Twitter, at Xavier Files. And that's about uh, what we've got for you. Uh, next week, folks, we have a really exciting episode. Uh, Alex Goldman from Reply All, you know, a actual podcast with real people, uh, is going to be on to talk about Glob Herman, uh, which is a wild thing to say in my life, but that's happening, uh, and I'm really pumped about it. Uh, so look forward to that, guys. Uh, Chris, once again, thank you so much for being on. This was a great time. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Zach. This was awesome. Great. Now, until next time, guys, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!